Never in the history of the world have the merchants of obscenity had available to them the modern facilities for disseminating this filth. Disseminating this filth. The onslaught of the communist masters of deceit. Bingo. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Sluts. Hey. You snuck that up on us. Oh, yeah, I didn't announce that yeah. I, I was ready to go. <laughs> I was out like a pre-pandemic person. Almost, Steve. I know. Did you watch uh, the Bo Burnham? I have. I'm annoyed because I feel like uh, some other people have already talked about the seeing it as a referential to Plato's analogy of the cave. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call it that, but, you know, whatever. I mean, I'm not going to bite a, a podcast I follow that does stuff about classics, etc. Pointed it out. I think it was actually uh, intentional. So. Yeah, I mean, sure. But, like, I don't know. Vampires are afraid of the light. Is that an allegory to allegory of the cave? Well, I mean, we had a very literal, like, things being projected on a wall and, like, questions about uh, perception and reality. Yeah, eh, I guess. What are we talking about? Uh, hey, Steve. Hey. I was seeing if Marlo had watched the Bo Burnham special. And yes, I, I watched things. You did? For once. Uh, <laughs> I watch things all the time. And I was just expressing my uh, support for pointing out that he seems to be somewhat referencing uh, Plato's allegory of the cave with the structure of the special. Which the people over at Ship of Theses uh, podcast, which is a classics podcast, uh, pointed out in uh, a thread I retweeted. So if you want to go to my Twitter and see that. But yes, uh, it's more than just like a, a vague notion. Um, I think it's quite compelling. But uh, I think I'd rather talk about the uh, leftism in the special here with y'all. If uh, Steve, did you watch it? I did. So I want to say I'm not a huge musical comedy person, but I do like Bo. First things first. Uh, did you feel like it was worth the watch or did you feel misled? Marlo? Yeah, sure. Um, I hated it. I hated every second of it. I thought it was okay. So we have the full spectrum. Mm -hmm. So what did you hate about it, Steve? <laughs> I don't like the musicalness of it. I thought that the skits were like self-referential porn, like process porn. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with your characterization of it. I just thought it was fine. It wasn't the right medium for what he was going for, and it didn't really hold your attention. As he almost referenced throughout the entire thing, oh, are you bored yet? Are you on your phone yet? I was trying to decide as to which kind of format would be better. And I kind of landed on YouTube 
video series where he did a song per video and have that be the you know medium that it came out. But as I a, think it was a cohesive meta narrative above it that justified it being a singular. Right, thing. and that's what I didn't like about it. I didn't like the cohesive meta narrative that kept all the pieces together. I thought it slowed it down. It made it so that it almost seemed necessary for him to have the self-referential pieces to describe the way in which he made it. And it, it reminded me a lot of uh, I Love You, Honey Bear by Father John Misty. Both, which you loved. Which I loved. And part of the reason why I loved it was because it you know, was tracks that you could skip or go to. And it wasn't just a singular piece that was like a comedy special. It was 12 tracks put side by side. Well, okay. So would you not have loved Honey Bear if it was on vinyl and it was harder to skip tracks? Like, Well, no, it's also because I like the music more. Uh, I mean, yeah, I was yeah. just not into the musicalness of it i wasn't into like the super campy even some of the music though reminded me of uh, a lesser version of father john misty where uh, i mean sure it had the kind of techno um like uh -huh. depressing lyrics over happy music that you know was designed to make a political statement wedged in between all of the pretty catchy choruses and drum tracks I get why people like it. I just found it very tedious. I would say, and I mean, this is also like, you know, admittedly subjective because he already did this to some extent in editing this all together. I, I would just say if he had a goal of 50 minutes and edited out some of the weaker songs, there's probably a bunch of songs that he recorded that he didn't use in the special. Like if he was like, I'm not gonna make a 90 minute special, I'm gonna make a 50 minute special. And so that's how the caliber of songs that I'm gonna keep are the ones that would fit into this shorter time slot. I, I think I would like it a lot more. Yeah, I didn't love it. I thought there were some weak parts. I kind of thought the sort of meta narrative was the stronger part. Like my, my biggest complaint is like, I think some of the songs just didn't land as much. The Instagram one is just like, damn, I saw this fucking YouTube video in 2014 and I don't even remember if Instagram was a thing in 2014. <laughs> I thought it was fine. I didn't think it was like groundbreaking or genius. I thought Bo Burnham was Jeff Dunham. I, I did not know who Bo Burnham was when people started saying Bo Burnham. I enjoyed his insertion of politics. I, I thought it was okay. Um, I think there's like often a knee jerk, you know, reaction on the internet left that like any sort of mainstream mention of left wing jargon is cringe or something. Um, I don't know. I appreciated that. I didn't love it. I don't know. Either of you familiar with Bo Burnham before this? Yeah, absolutely not. I thought it was Jeff Dunham. Okay. I've heard his name. I've checked him out and I know that he did musical styled comedy. I guess I want to add a little context for like how I 
saw it because uh, Bo, yeah, he does a musical comedy, song comedy, uh, which, like I said, I'm generally not super into. I think Bo has some good ones, though. But he started and got quite successful, like, really young. Like, he was already touring when he was 17, I think. And then uh, about five years ago... He did a special and he announced it as his retirement, basically. 25. He, he, <laughs> yeah. he did reference that. That came out in 2016. It's called Make Happy. Which uh, again seemed like a real disconnect in the, the making of this, which like who can take off a year and make a special? Well, I think that's part of the context is that... Uh, Sort of what's implicit is that he wasn't planning on doing this until he was in this scenario. And then he agreed to do a special. And I, I mean, I got to admit, uh, I uh, did quite enjoy his use of the one room and the projector. And Yeah, I, I did as well. I, I actually really developed, liked the production on it. Yeah, that developed through. I, I did like, you know, you can quite tell that it was just him setting these things up. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that one song where he was doing the rotating light with his iPhone, you know, simple, it worked. I, I liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where he's turning 30, that song. So I don't know. I guess it's in a certain context for me where I can sort of compare it against, you know, what I know of him before. But yeah, like uh, the part... I thought you were going to say, is this dude Nanette? <laughs> that is the topic at hand uh, on the internet. A uh, comic I know uh, made the point on Twitter... Um, which, of course, stirred the never, ever simmering. Yeah, it might get quiet. Yeah. <laughs> the Nanette pot. Uh, it doesn't matter that Hannah Gadsby put out a whole another special subsequently, et cetera. Nanette will never stop being a uh, polarizing event. Um, so I think the argument is, oh, well, Bo is getting all his praise for, like, basically... I don't know. I kind of think... Anna Gatsby also got a lot of praise for Nanette. Yeah, exactly. There, there, was, there I, was a certain subculture of fucking weirdos on the internet who really hated it. Shitty fucking dipshit comics. But, like, fucking, most generally, like, the general critical reaction to She Nanette won, like, every award, yeah. like Overwhelmingly it, positive. Yeah, but what is being spoken to uh, there is that there is a ton of people who were like really hostile about the idea that Nanette was comedy because there were sad parts. So I guess that's the parallel people are drawing. They're like, oh, there's sad parts too in this. Yeah, sure. I mean, like I'll say if I was judging it as a stand-up special, um, I didn't fucking laugh like at all. You know, if that is the line that I'm going to, like, I had some light chuckles here and there. I sort of decided that, oh, I guess that's not exactly what he's going for. And so I'll try and appreciate it for what he's doing. But, yeah, if I was to generally judge it like, oh, this is a new comedy special, which I would generally say, is it making me laugh out loud? Yeah, not really. Well, um, that, that's part of my problem with the form that it took or the content and form because it's marketed and the expectation you bring along with it is that it's a comedy special. Whereas 
I think satire songs on a YouTube would A, be more easily digestible and you can cut out the kind of fluff that goes with the meta narrative that I realize is my hang up and not yours. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, fair. Like, again, I just, I sort of like that. What did you like about it? I also liked it. I guess what I was trying to put in context is that I appreciate this as a somewhat of an evolution for Bo. Like the parts of the special where he says some arguably leftist stuff, like that being that explicit in that way is new for him. I thought it was a good bit. Honestly, I'll, I'll say that. I mean, I thought the dynamic between him and the sock was actually that was my pretty favorite fucking part. funny. Yeah, like, that was my part. I actually thought white woman Instagram was the weakest. I would call it really good if, again, it was multiple years ago and I was watching it on YouTube. But I think, like, the first song I just didn't really like. And, like, occasionally I get to a point where I'm like, I don't like this. I didn't feel that way with white women Instagram. I like thought it was funny, but like out of place. Mm-hmm. I but- thought the weakest one was him reacting to the video that he had just made. See, I like that. I, I like fucking it. like that a lot, actually. Yeah. I don't know. They did the same trick in the Derrida documentary. Right, but it wasn't contextualized. Yeah, which everyone knows. Well, everyone should know it. Well, I mean, I do know it, and I would say the difference is... Difference. No, in this case, it's just the Uh, difference. It was a joke. Yes, no, I I did appreciate the joke. The difference between the two is uh, that this was very specifically a genre parody of that didn't exist at the time that the Derrida thing was made. So yeah, I've seen it before and the idea of a recursive thing is not new, but I don't know. know. It just seems cheap. A lot of the self-referential stuff seemed cheap. And every time that there was ever like a process thing where he's explaining the process and then having to go back and like reevaluate the way in which he had just done the thing that he just did, it, it made my brain turn off and made me not not want to continue watching it. Yeah. Um, and that's surprising because I usually really like tedious, artsy bullshit. You also like uh, shitty musical comedy. What, what the fuck's that guy's name? Oh, Stephen Lynch? Yeah, you fucking... Well, I will say this. Going in cold, I expected you to like it. As I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, Steve is going to fucking hate this. <laughs> like, like, going in cold just because like, I didn't know anything about Bo Burnham and like apparently it's like a comedy music guy. I like, figured like... Oh, yeah, it's kind of more Steve's wheelhouse, like with, yeah, with Lynch than mine. And, uh, and Flight of the Concords. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you actually generally like musical comedy. Tenacious D, all these. Well, musical- yeah, I mean, I tenacious things. But yeah, I mean, yeah, you're generally a musical comedy dude. What about it did you think that I would hate about it? Everything that you've mentioned. No, just the, like, yeah, just the, like, hyper self-awareness of it all. I, I did actually, like, have that thought of, like, Steve is gonna think this is stupid. 
It just reminds me of 80s videos where they just discovered that you could do this and it was like an apple, like a giant refrigerator apple computer that discovered yeah, that you that's could. Exactly, like that's part of the framing here is that he's doing it himself by himself. In yeah, a no, like the real problem <laughs> of this that we're like going to like continuously talk past each other is we kind of all agree what the thing is and Steve just doesn't like the thing. I think the thing is okay and Bunny sort of likes the thing. So, uh, I mean, like, you know, and it's cool. I'm not like, yeah, I can respect that. Like, there's times where I'm in Steve's position. I think he set some goals and ideas and he accomplished those goals and achieved those ideas and Steve thinks the goals and ideas were bad. Uh, it reminds me of like a grad school project, but like a really long grad school yeah, project. Yeah, no, it's super... No, it is very knowingly kind of pretentious and it doesn't completely earn its pretension. I think it was okay. <laughs> I don't know. And I, I, I will say that it's like, it is interesting to see grad school level, you know, art projects make their way into a Netflix produced special. Yeah, that's, Adorno would fucking love this. That's, <laughs> that's yeah, interesting. No, Adorno would, did, and, by fucking love, I mean fucking and, hate this shit. And usually when that happens, it's like by somebody who gets a far bigger budget to do a lot less with more talent than they let on. And yeah, this it's sort of like set, if 70s New Hollywood could somehow operate on like a tenth of the budget. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not quite sure I understand what 70s New Hollywood is, but... It was just a time in the 1970s where the studios were like, you know what we should do is we should just give unlimited money and time and no oversight to super talented directors and just let them do whatever the fuck they wanted. And yeah, you know, Francis Ford Coppola, early Scorsese, few other people I've never, I couldn't fucking name and like the film snobs will hate me for it, make these movies. And they just got increasingly more bloated over time. And like up their own assholes. And then in the early 80s, the studios were like, we've lost all of our money. And I didn't notice because I was doing cocaine this entire time. We need to put a stop to this. So that was, yeah, the new Hollywood. It just is like this very free flowing, let the artist be the artist. And it just seems like with shit like Netflix and stuff, you can kind of have major backing and distribution for these sorts of projects, but without as much investment from the studios. And you guys like the insertion of the politics? You know, I don't really see it as an insertion or attack on or like something that's trying to intentionally mine. Like uh, I guess I, I guess I meant the jargon. I know the whole thing is political and, you know, everything's political, Delusian territorialization, but like the inclusion of the jargon seemed like a very noted and premeditated I upon idea. Well, and it's, you know, it's... Uh, Which added to the graduate level, kind of reading level. Sure. I mean, I'm just of the sort of mundane point of view that mainstreaming that kind of framing is positive. Uh, it's not as if Bo is known as a leftist comedian or 
even a particularly politically involved one. So I do think that's good. Um, I also think he's been off for four years. He's successful, very young. You know, he's self-referential in that way that he's like, I'm calling out how I'm privileged, but that's also a privilege. Which I also hate it. blah, 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 but it's reflective of a thing. It's not (laughs) like, I don't know. So I didn't, I didn't see it as a put on. I I mean, the, the sock part was my favorite part. I didn't see it as a put on either. I thought it was a choice and I thought it was, this goes back to Marlo. I thought it was a bad choice. Uh, it reminds me, I think I, I heard somewhere like that, you know, comedy was going, was going to end up being not people trying to make people laugh, but people trying to make a statement. And this very much felt like it fell into that category. Of- uh, see, I disagree. Uh, I think I come across a lot of making a statement masquerading as comedy. And I do feel to call back to Nanette, the fears of this are often overblown and overrepresented. Just like the shit about cancel culture and shout out to Cat Williams for having a correct idea about cancel culture. Oh, really? Yeah, Cat's kind Did of Cat Williams love. finally say something that I didn't hate. Cat Williams is good. He was essentially, you know, like fucking cancel culture doesn't exist. He's like half the shit people call cancel culture is just like making excuses for old shit. It's not like people are pushing whatever. Look it up. It's on fucking Twitter. Well, Seth, Seth Rogen also better. said something similar. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm at this point ready to take a bullet for Seth. Just gotta say. For one fat anti-Zionist kid to another. Yeah. And I saw a bunch of blowback to the Seth Rogen stuff where they're like, he doesn't understand what cancel culture is. It's actually the disproportionate responses or condemnation to the act itself. And I'm like, come on. He's a publicly anti-Zionist Jew. Because people who are crowing about cancel culture are rarely even cherry-picking individuals who truly had a disproportionate consequence to something they said a long time ago or etc. You know, most people whining about it are like, why can't I call people gay slurs anymore? It's just jokes. You know, again, I'm really talking from a comedy-centric perspective. Oh, I mean, Jerry uh, Seinfeld's whole thing is like, my daughter thinks I'm lame and that's somehow the liberals' fault. (laughs) Well, no, he just, he got mad about people not liking his joke. About the gay Frenchman. About the gay French king. Whereas if he understood the kids today, he would have, like, thrown in the words Ancien Regime and actually gotten laughs on <laughs> Yeah, so Bo Burnham, I knew this was going to happen. I knew we were going to have a, a spectrum of opinions on this. It also did seem, and tell me if I'm wrong, it did seem very theater kitty. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, 100%. Oh, and I I will admit that I sort of antagonistically support theater kid shit. uh, Oh, yeah. Just because it's like the comics who are like, I'm a fucking truth teller, or they act like they're a fucking badass. It's like, no, we're all fucking dorks who want to get on stage and tell our little stories. It's not, you know, whatever, God, at the end of the day. Especially the ones whining about cancel culture. Wow, wow, wow. 
I mean, cancel culture is being blamed for so many things these days. Yeah, well, now they're like cancel culture and they're tying it to critical race theory. Critical race theory. Yeah, and then they're like sending questionnaires out to like professors in schools and being like, do you or do you not teach critical race theory? It's bad. I mean, originally I felt like it was tied to Hollywood. Hollywood liberals. Yeah, Hollywood was the space of cancel culture. And now it seems to have moved to college students, hackers. Well, now it's its own tulpa, you know, like it's like people have thought about it enough that it's its own weird ghost entity just existing in the ether. It it doesn't have to be a real thing in terms of how anyone's conceptualizing it. It's now... It's just liberalism. That's all it is. Is just I mean, like, it's repackaging uh, of political correctness from the nineties. Yeah, yeah, it's not whatever, which, but uh, which was also liberalism. That's all they they were talking about. I, I don't know. Conservatives don't like liberalism. That's it. That's all they're mad about. And you know, some are more authoritarian liberals than other. Or whatever authoritarian means, you know, however they perceive authoritarian, which usually just means like the free market at work and consumers being mad that celebrities are shitty. Seems. I mean, I'll again say that, you know, of groups that have actually been victims of cancel culture, anti-Zionist Jews are probably the ones who have actually faced real conflict or anti-Zionist. Because Zionists are the true cancel culture wielders. Yeah, read about the Nakba. They canceled an entire ethnic group that wasn't cleansed. I think we've talked about, and I, I don't know how authoritatively I can talk about this, but it does seem like Zionists were the originators of identity politics. Mm, I mean, I would just say that, like, if you look at Zionism in terms of how popular Garveyism was at the time, like in the early 20th century, it's really just the like liberal nationalism that could. Yeah. Like, I mean, there was a time a long time ago where the mainstream white liberal opinion was send the blacks back to Africa. But there was a time where there was a very mainstream left wing, very black movement saying, yeah, we need to all go back to Africa. And the fact that that as the idea of black liberation is not mainstream today that like it eventually lost favor is total happenstance and like that's you know one way to understand zionism is yeah it's like if garveyism just happened to never die out and instead continued to get more and more mainstream i don't enjoy it um Continuing to be uh, a topic at hand on Front Street. And increasingly, I am seeing people feeling the need to pivot to making sure people know that they're against anti-Semitism, right? Because that's the narrative the Zionists kind of want. Yeah. The conflation of Judaism as a religion and Zionism as a movement is a long-held practice of Zionists to conflate all all Jews are Zionists and if they're not they're traitors to Zionism right like that's 
Yeah, it's also, I mean, some very clear equivocation of now every time you talk about anything happening in Palestine, you need to also spend an equal amount of time uh, discussing that Eve Fartlow was called Eve Fartlow because they're the exact same fucking thing. Like that, I mean, that's really what it is. Is it's a, it's a rhetorical time waster. Yeah, she's uh, moving up in the world since we last discussed her. Yeah, she's on Fox News mm-hmm. because too many people called her fart. Yeah, no, I mean it, it's it's like oh, six children um, were killed in a bombing in the West Bank. Well, did you know that my friend saw a free parking sign and thought it said free Palestine? So you know we all are struggling. Did you see that he's back? The person to save us from all these SJW cancel culture nerds, Donald Trump. Uh, yeah, I missed that. What happened? He gave a speech in North Carolina, teasing yet again that he might run in 2024 and claiming the election was fraudulent. Ah, you know, this Donald Trump. Who is that? Nobody knows. (laughs) He can't even get on Facebook. You know who I also think was like original cancel culture people? Just Christianity. I, I mean, or evangelical Christians. Remember when the Beatles said they were bigger than Jesus? I mean, I well, not literally. I, I remember somebody else remembering that, which is why I remember it. I remember the Simpsons joke where they, the Hammer was talking about the time that he was in a uh, Beatles like send up band that got big and. He said, we were bigger than Jesus. And Lisa was like, Dad, you can't say that. And he's like, why not? It was the name of our album. And then he pulls out the album, and it's called Bigger Than Jesus, and it's the Abbey Road cover, except they're walking on water. (laughs) That was a good joke. (laughs) I remember watching videos of steamrollers roll over Beatles albums. Yeah, I mean, it's just... (laughs) Time is a flat circle. Everything's the same, and it all gets a little worse until we die. I I don't fucking know. It's like my favorite. Milo always coming in with the affirmation. My favorite theory is that it's a religious movement. Oh yeah, that guy. Well, it's uh, yeah, it's a monotheistic style thing where you seek to exclude competitive heresies and yeah witch hunt you find heretics and, and puritanical uh um, to be fair if you want to make a like yeah you know you could go nietzschean if you want to or marxist or whatever like about like the sort of regressive like moralist nature of some of this bullshit yeah knock yourself out but yeah. Uh, oh, wokeness is like a religion. Cool, dude. I feel like wokeness is more like uh, an enlightenment kind of analogy, I guess. Like literally enlightenment and right. being awoken by the light, um, which is basically just people who went to college and then like took college to heart because their parents fucking didn't. Which, again, is just liberalism. They're all just talking about liberalism and and finding more creative ways to discuss why they don't like liberalism. 
Well, yeah, and all the, they're all very liberal ways, and it all basically amounts to because it's not. It, I believe in a different liberalism. Exactly, and that's cool. I don't like liberalism, so you know, complain about liberalism. I'll agree with some points, I guess. I don't know. I think uh, people are eager to pin their suffering on something. Yeah, and if they so it can start like well-intentioned innocent like oh my gosh i've become aware that x form of discrimination happens you know but then like the urge to codify something like to make it like a neat rule so that you can like control for it in the future is um always inherently misguided like it's a thing that doesn't exist you know like one time i was describing how you can't like necessarily police yourself for all of your reactions and a very liberal lib was like what do you mean you just don't want to (laughs) (laughs) i'm like no i'm saying i mean i suppose if i was some sort of sociopath creep where i've planned out a performance of a person for you. Yeah, I guess I could in theory, but... uh, Which is what Bo Burnham did. He Mm -hmm. had that in his routines, right? Where he policed Mm -hmm. dressing up as Aladdin 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And performed that and then performed the apology. I mean, I can definitely see how many of these things are hateable, Um, but... (laughs) I do think it is a like relatable thing for people. I mean, I would have say- that kind of like uh, because I believe he's like he's like I didn't darken my skin for it, but like in retrospect, yeah. it's weird. Yeah, no, that was kind of funny. I, I would say this. I think like that. I think those are the aspects I like to. I was with. hoping he would have made a Trudeau reference at that point. Yeah, I just have to say I've heard many comedians make their. Oh, the wokes jokes. And I would take how he did it over Colin Quinn any fucking day. That's like a generation gap and a... I like Colin Quinn. I, I, I'm not even saying I don't like Colin Quinn, but I hate hearing Colin Quinn complain about uh, cancel culture, woke college student, burr, 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 burr. like he's... I don't feel like Colin does a lot of that, actually. He, he does roll... kind of does. Buddy duddies who do. He kind of does, and it's annoying and more cringe than Bo Burnham's take on it. That is what I'm going to say. I didn't love Bo Burnham's take. I thought it was a little cheesy because I'm, like, fucking brain poisoned from being in left circles on the internet. But, yeah, I, I take it over just the, like, old man comic yelling at clouds approach that I hear all the fucking time. Yeah, I mean, I also hear uh, all the fucking time. Um yeah. I don't know that it necessarily landed, but at least it was different, I think, is, like, my feeling about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just, I don't know. I did, like, the low-brow filmmaking techniques employed. Yeah, no, I like that part, too. I don't know. Like, again, we're just kind of naming the same parts Stephen yeah. named and said, I didn't like this, and we're saying, oh, I like this. And then so. what the listeners don't know is that uh, then we're going to have a duel. <laughs> 
I mean, Steve. I, I yes. knew it was going to come to this. I would prefer it if it was like a poetry slam versus a like Shakespeare reading competition. Yeah. And I would do a Shakespeare. And I'll cook. We'll yeah. see if my meal is better than Steve's poetry and Buddy's <laughs> Shakespeare performance. I guess, yeah. yeah. Oh, man, this just sounds like a good time. Yeah, no, this just sounds it's, like a party, baby. It sounds like a, a soiree. It's like Archie's going to knock on the door and say, hey, it's the police, and then we open the door and he'll have a mountain of Coke. Yeah. Oh, Archie. Yeah. Oh, Archie. Those were the days. Those were the days when all in the family wasn't canceled yet. <laughs> yes, we went well, to college in 1977. Of, yeah, sure. A lot of people talk about cancel culture because some like 19 year old doesn't like some old shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I you know, such and such, and it's problematic. Well, yeah, like, have you ever watched an old movie? It's not great. Well, yeah, no, it's also 19-year-olds going, well, I mean, you know, just a callback to an earlier episode. Um, just, I uh, just saw a Bob Saget special, and I think he raped the Olsen twins. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is what happens. It's 100%, you got it. You cracked the yeah. fucking code. We did. Um, we did touch base with that. Yeah. No, I oh, just God. saw Bob Saget's cameo in Half-Baked, and I believe he's a bad man. Yeah. He reminds me of my relative, who's so mean. Cut in. You ever suck dick for weed? Right here. <laughs> Marijuana is not a drug. I used to suck dick for coke. I seen him. Now, that's an addiction, man. You ever suck some dick for marijuana? Huh? No, no, I can't say I have. <laughs> yeah, like half the time it's just like comedians like being annoyed that their jokes aren't landing. Yes, but also uh, it's a narrative that a lot of comedians themselves have gotten caught up in. And they're like, I am fighting the good fight by insisting I can call everyone a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think, okay, here's my solution is we should take this back to the olden days of uh, Lenny Bruce Probably. and, and yeah. just start arresting comics. Like, just, like, bring it full circle, right. give them something right. to actually complain about, and just start, like, throwing them in jail for their shitty jokes. Yeah, That's a good idea, and I and I and, the ghost of Lenny Bruce that follows me around with, like... Yeah, we'll call it the uh, comedy den... It'll be the prison. We'll call them the gay police. <laughs> <laughs> you're under arrest for being gay. Pull over, you're gay. Oh, there's the police. Oh, they're surrounding Steven's house. No, Steven. <laughs> they found me. They're like, you faggot. They're like, I, I found you in the closet. Wait, yeah, in like, the attic. Come, come they're like, out. of course we did. It's pride. In the attic. Come out, keep your penis where I can see it. You uh, were using a toothbrush in an indecent way. How dare you steal rainbows? Which is my favorite. I love to come across a whole bunch of tweets where people are earnestly naming things that God made for whoever. But to piggyback on that, how are you arguing with people about the legitimacy of demons. Oh my god. Oh my god. I need so, I, I wanted so to ask is, you over Messenger. 
Yeah, this is like some bunny B-side, some bunny deep cuts. So something that irritates me very much, and I will admit perhaps a disproportionate amount. I don't think you've ever been annoyed about something a disproportionate Never. amount. Never. I'm very, I'm like, ex- Macedonia. <laughs> reasonable. <laughs> okay. My feeling about woo-woo spaces, what I call woo-woo spaces, which can be anything from full-on witchcraft to just, you know, some meditation stuff, yoga, etc. I really dislike it when people get into it and then get obsessed with some idea that something is coming for them. It can be like a demon. It can be like fairies. It can be like all these things where people will be like, I put some crystals outside to charge in the moonlight. And then when I went outside in the morning, they were in a in a line, what do you think did that? And some people are like, maybe it was crows or like whatever. And then some people are like, sounds like Faye, be very careful. <laughs> it just seems like a lot of people get into these spaces because they are rebelling against their religion or conditioning that they grew up with, right? Like to me, I just sort of like various superstitions and kind of outlier beliefs were pretty normalized around me. So, and I didn't have like this like singular conditioning, even though I like went to the Greek Orthodox church, I always knew I had like an out. (laughs) So I can't stand it when people are in these spaces and they're like, oh no, be very careful. You don't want to open yourself up to a demon. And like, I feel as though there are people who engage with more intense things in the sort of magical whatever area. Some people who know about, quote unquote, demonology. And I don't think all of them are experiencing like absolute exorcist style uh, consequences. I, I feel like for someone who's basically looking to like learn about deep breathing and you know (laughs) consider some more esoteric woo-woo concepts i don't like it when people are like watch out why why are all of these people from tennessee i don't know because they're presbyterians who just decided to be polytheist well i just also i'm like a fucking bitch so i'm like I grew up in a religion where I was told the holiest people were shown demons so they could fight them. Okay, like I've mentioned before, I was very frightened of the possibility of being somehow possessed or controlled or affected by a demon until I was like 19. I was told the monks on Mount Athos are beaten black and blue by demons. (laughs) So like... One, I don't like it when somebody I perceive is coming from like a very sort of milk toast religious background who's like dabbling with this stuff or maybe very versed in it in some way. Like maybe they're into it in a way like the conjuring movies, right? Like the Oh yeah. Where they're like investigators of these phenomena or, you know, whatever. So it's like I I don't know. Sure, all right movies. Yeah, I don't mind them. The idea that I just sort of fundamentally reject the idea that, you know, you could like accidentally almost or arrogantly get in a situation when uh, you're just uh, exploring a little woo such and such. Like, I just, I don't know. I, I, it, it, bother, it bothers me. 
If I were the dwarves of Moria and I, in my greedy search for more precious treasure, accidentally awoken the Balrog, I would simply put it back to sleep. Exactly. And you know what? The blood of Christ, it's always available. So uh, I'm just built different. (laughs) Um, I think I also, uh, it does annoy me because I, I just see something like, most things about demons similar as I see like studying like different superstitions, traditions, fables, folklores. For instance, when people are like, oh no, I came across a Ouija board. What do I do with it? Do I burn it to get rid of it? Like where because of the exorcist, there's this belief that, like, literally, this what Milton Bradley product is a yes, uh, is specifically a gateway to demon possession or devil possession. When I got news for you guys, any fucking thing in your house could be such a thing if you want to use it for divination. If we're using these rules, really, okay, a little squiggly board that was patented in Baltimore, Maryland by the way, is not, I, I don't, the over like, ooh, of it is annoying because if there's any supernatural things that are afoot, I would like them to actually be apparent, not be these little, um, it's fitting that Baltimore, Maryland should invent some demon shit considering the city was founded as a refuge for English Catholics. <laughs> I mean, fair. Uh, though I do want to, I believe I've mentioned this before on the pod, but the Ouija board is one of those things that the public opinion about it changed with the movie The Exorcist, more or less. Now, talking boards were pretty ubiquitous in the <clears throat> spiritualist time. And uh, that shit was like normal. Uh, it was like normal. It was like, it was not thing with Christianity, even. It was kind of a uh, culturally similar time. I mean, it's hard to say when when culturally similar things are similar, but I'm interested in like the late 19th century, early 20th century when like religion was a thing for the peasants and there was a certain like class, like upper classes and upper middle classes that were like, oh, religion is for the peasants. We believe in spirituality because we're well, and the there, enlightenable. Well, and there is a so there is a time where among the aristocratic classes in the West, they are kind of gaga for all kinds of magically ideas, which, which kind Gandhi, of etc. Which kind of culminated with Rasputin as being like the the pr- byproduct of that in Russia, but. Yeah, it was kind of all over Europe. There is also something very like second industrial revolution about a Ouija board as a divination tool where it's just like, what's the most efficient way to short circuit the human's brain's like propensity to find patterns in things? I know, let's just put all the letters and a bunch of numbers on a board and come up with a semi-randomized way of, like, choosing them. And I do feel like a lot of these rituals that pagans and witches, like the Ouija board, come from that time period of, like, awakening. Awaken was invented around then, right? 
yeah, all of this stuff is pretty interesting and trackable. And then, like, one group was like, okay, what about all this, but it has to do with the Jews in some way, and then they invented Nazism. (laughs) It was also, like, uh, because of the effect of, like, Darwin and stuff, there was this, like, idea that you could, like, get to the the root of things, you know? Uh, right, and, like, the, like, advent of, like, you know, Tesla-level, like, cheap electronic devices that were actually, like, mostly experimental but usable. Yeah. I don't like it when people are like, be careful. But also, I will admit, I have a script about a girl who she gets fired from her writing job and then she uh, drunkenly makes a deal with a demon. And he's like, you got to write a movie about me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what about about it? Um, What about a Faustian Lena Dunham story? Ooh. I, I don't even know what that could be, but like, I don't know. Lena Dunham sold her soul to write girls. I, I mean, it could be that stupid. Yeah, just the Brooklyn writer like sells her soul to the devil to write a middling, but like somewhat well reviewed, like dry comedy about living in Brooklyn. She, she goes to the uh, like Gowanus Canal at the Carroll Street Bridge and meets the devil halfway. Ooh, ooh, and also the devil is, like, dressed up like a hipster from, like, 2007. Yeah, <laughs> with a feather in his cap. Yeah, 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 like, that's their, like, Nick Scratch or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Oh, that, it'll that's... be, like, it'll be, like, bedazzled, but with Lena Dunham. <laughs> ooh, okay, how about this? How about uh, Nick Scratch, but, like, scratch marks, because he does heroin. Oh, I thought because he's possessed. You know, that all. No, no, like, like <laughs> heroin's marks mm-hmm. repeatedly jabbing a needle into your artery. Fun. Or vein, I guess. The, the devil's on his back, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if I were the devil, I'd do hella drugs. I mean, that that's the old, or, or is it the monkeys on my back? That's the old phrase. Yeah, that's, um, I think in varying cultures, that means either I'm addicted to alcohol, currently drunk, or hungover, depending on what country. I thought it was heroin. Oh. Like, the monkeys on my back is a, is a heroin reference. I'm a smack at it. I, I might be wrong. There's definitely, like, an association with that and, like, addiction generally, I think. I believe Marlo's right. It's a euf- an old-timey-ish euphemism for addiction. It's addiction that one cannot control or to be addicted to drugs or suffering withdrawal from a drug addiction. The origin of this idiom may be the stories of Sinbad. The earliest known works are from the 17th century. Sinbad. Sinbad. Well, I think it's... Star of house guest. Almost time to go. The only thing I have to say is tomorrow is an election. This won't be out by that time, but Peru is having an election. Go Castillo, baby. Yep, Castillo. They're they're neck and neck. Yeah, that's gonna be. It's gonna it's gonna be a long voting process and potentially very corrupt. Yeah. But it's like the daughter of the dictator from the nineties. 
which I will just say this. If Keiko Fujimori posted a selfie on Twitter, (laughs) I would reply, would. (laughs) (laughs) I could change her. You may have a daddy dictator, but I could be your daddy dictator. Uh, she was also um, after Alberta. I don't know if we know about Alberta Fitch more that much, but one uh, weird fucking incestuous dynamic of this is. Uh, Alberto Fujimori divorced his wife partway through his presidency, and then, like, Keiko Fujimori was officially appointed as the first lady of Peru. Hmm. Interesting. Well, the latest poll has them within a point percentage margin. So it's like 44 to 44 with Fujimori inching ahead at the last minute. Castillo is a Marxist. From what I understand is he's liberation theology, but within a Marxist party. Yeah. It is, I think, the most accurate way to describe him. Or market socialist. Yeah. I mean, he's a little socially. The party, like, officially maintains a Marxist Leninist line that they don't really give a shit about. And uh, he's, like, essentially left-wing Catholic. Yeah. And with that comes a lot of social conservatism. Which I'll just say, like, so does fucking Keiko Fujimori, whose dad was a horrific uh, individual. I've personally spoken to a man who was tortured by uh, Alberto Fujimori's people. Like, he, he really was a... Terrible, terrible person. Um, and um, his daughter should be in jail for the rest of her life. So, yeah, no, I, like, I hope she loses. Um, All right. And Castillo is an ex or current school teacher. Yeah. And like union organizer and mm-hmm. organized a teacher strike that went on for like two years. Yeah. So he's got a trademark, like, giant cowboy hat, and he rides a horse into the center of town to throw a, an event in his honor. One popular derisive name for Alberto Fujimori during his reign was Chinochet, which combines the name Pinochet to represent his authoritarian dictatorship nature with El Chino, which is the Spanish equivalent of Chinaman, to represent uh, that he was Japanese. Gotta love it. Anyways, that's tomorrow or today. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, See ya. See ya. Since first man has walked this earth, I have been here To whisper seeds of doubt and evil thoughts into his ear I am the beast, the outcast angel fallen from on high I go by many names, but there is one you can't deny My name is Satan Hi everybody! Uh, let me tell you a little bit about myself My friends all call me Old Scratch and I am a Capricorn. My turn-ons are romantic walks and killing the unborn. 
I've got little devil horns and a little goatee, little devil eyes to help a little devil see, and little cloven hooves make it kind of hard to ski. I'm Satan. <laughs> Woohoo! Mephistopheles for some, I don't know. My real name is Beelzebub, but you can call me Beals. I love to watch Fox News and then go club some baby seals. Then I'll take a bubble bath and drink a Zinfandel Try to wash off that baby seal smell And then I'll make a toast to me Hey, here's to my health <laughs> My name is Satan <laughs> To carry on my evil ways I went and had a son And now he makes his living as a singing I'm in every Zeppelin album, I'm in all Rush Limbaugh's rants I'm the reason that the Boston Red Sox even had a chance <laughs> And if I want to eat your soul, I'll just throw it on a griddle Don't need to make a deal, I don't need to tell a riddle And fuck Charlie Danners, I don't care if you can fiddle, I'm Satan Memo went down to Georgia, he was looking for a soul to steal It's a fucking bullshit, because I would not be caught dead in Georgia, okay, it's like, oh my god! Sick, 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 